What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. I'm Derek Terry, and I'm joined now by Kalen Harris of the Cat Scan Podcast and a good friend of mine. Kalen, thank you so much for taking some time to join us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. I I, uh, I know you and I text a lot during the games and that kind of stuff, so it's it's cool to be on here with you to talk about it. Yeah, I've been on Kalen's show a few times. Like I said, it's Cat Scan. Make sure you check it out. He does a great job. Travis Graff, uh, our buddy Burke. Also over there, uh, holding it down on that podcast. But Kalen, the reason we're here, Kentucky, a 23 to 21 winner in today's uh, Tax Slayer Bowl over number 23 NC State. It was a tough year. Uh, we all know that. It's been well explained the whole season, all the challenges that Kentucky faced, in addition to a global pandemic that everybody went through for the first time. But to close it out with a win, Kalen, just. Uh, just what do you think that means for all those guys over there on the sidelines and just for the fans as a whole to, to come out of this season with uh, the smile inside of the scoreboard, as George Grant would say? Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's big. I honestly do. I, I Up until, I don't know, three or four years ago, I never put a whole lot of stock into the importance of bowl games. I always thought the pra- extra practices were nice. But now, um, the last few years, I think – I do think it makes a big difference when you're talking fan base, uh, you're talking recruiting, and just exposure kind of on a national level. But getting that win, uh, to me, after this season, if we're talking this season in particular, like you said, it it was a brutal, brutal season. I mean, it was (laughs) – everything that could have gone wrong almost went wrong. We had high expectations going in. Finished four and six on the year. It's crazy because five and six, you know, you you win by two points. So if three three points the opposite direction, you're talking four and seven, and you're like, oh gosh, this year sucked. But now it's like, okay, five and six. We played all SEC schedule. Normally we we would have been nine and four this year. So I I do think it meant a lot uh, from that perspective, and then also from just these seniors, man, like. They have been through so much this season and have been through so much um, for the program to kind of build it to where it is. If you just look at the success they've had, um, and I think it meant a lot to them. That's why they all played. It uh, meant a lot to them to, to get a win going out here. So I was extremely happy for those guys. Yeah, and the way that they won today wasn't really all that much different than than kind of how they had won games this season. I mean, the defense forced turnovers. They forced three today. They won the turnover battle three to zero. That was obviously huge. Uh, you missed, I would say, special teams errors on uh, NC State's part on a missed field goal, but Ty Asian also got a hand on one of those field goals. So it was a big special teams play. Um, some bad parts, you know, you had the had 10 penalties. A bunch of those were on sports from line. Kind of an ugly game to watch, but, you know, 
kind of how they had been all season, Kalen. They just kind of found a way at the end. They had just enough offense. The defense helped set it up there at the end with Chris Rodriguez. But um, I guess how how much did that game play out? I didn't get a chance to listen to your guys' pregame podcast for that. How much did that game play out the way you thought it might? Honestly, <laughs> I thought it. I like that's about exactly how I saw it going. I didn't give any predictions or anything like that as far as score goes, so I can't reference back to that. But I, I really thought it wouldn't be a whole lot different. You hear, you know, Vince loves to throw out, you know, all these practice accolades and oh, yeah, this guy's doing that, and we're doing this as a team, and so. Kind of the word had been, oh, we've been throwing it around a lot more and that kind of stuff. But I said, basically, I think the recipe to win is is the recipe that we've used all season long to kind of do what we've done, uh, try to hit them in the mouth, out physical them, those kinds of things. And I think that's pretty much what happened. I mean, I think they were um, – the the announcers kept referring to it during the game, but they've been a really good running team all season long as the strength of theirs, and they just didn't go to it much. I, I don't know if if it was the size of our – I mean, I, I'm not really sure why they went away from it or didn't actually even go to it much, but that kind of played into our strength because we've been a bend-don't-break kind of defense most of the season. I mean, we we – it's been well documented that we haven't rushed the passer very well and that kind of stuff, but we also led the league in turnovers this year. So it kind of played into our hands. Uh, you know, if, if you're willing to take that underneath stuff and dink and dunk for a while, we believe that if we keep you in front of us, eventually you're going to make a mistake. And, and that's what happened three times today. And that, that really is probably the difference in the game. Let's talk for a minute about the senior class, excuse me, at Kentucky. Obviously, those redshirt seniors, guys like Landon Young, Drake Jackson, uh, of course, Landon actually played in that first tax slayer ball prior to his injury back in, uh, he was injured in 2018, but he was one of the few guys who actually played. But they they end their career uh, three straight bowl victories. Uh, They had gone to five straight bowls. I mean, this, this senior group will probably be remembered as a, I mean, not no doubt one of the all-time winningest groups, but also just, I mean, they kind of took the program the new heights, I think, and I, and I kind of agree with you going back to the point that the way that to close this out with the win, I actually hadn't even really thought of that until a game where I was like, man, four and seven really does feel a lot different than five and six. Uh, I thought five and six is a is a great record, but what you said, when you talk about spin, things like that, you can actually spin that to saying, hey, they beat Ole Miss and they beat Missouri, two games they probably should have won on paper. They weren't as far off. But uh, with that senior group, though, how about A.J. Rose going out the way he did today? Rodriguez was the guy who scored the touchdowns, but Rose, I think, averaged like almost 12 yards per carry today or something like that, 148 uh, yards. Just how about the way he went out today? Yeah, you have to feel great for that guy because he, like, he's been in a tough spot for the last couple years. Or I mean, I guess since he's been here, really, I can remember – that spring and this even into the summer before you know, his freshman season, literally it was it was down to him and Benny Snell. One was going to redshirt and one was going to be basically the third string running back, and they 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 had to try to figure out which one it was going to be. And from everything I had heard, it was kind of leaning AJ Rose's way. And then uh, in the scrimmage, the very last scrimmage they had before the season opener. 
Benny broke a couple long runs, and that kind of gave him the nod, and then obviously the rest is history. So, you know, he basically was one scrimmage away from possibly being that guy as a freshman, and Benny's story may have, have, have turned out completely different. But for him to have to sit behind that and be a great teammate, which by all accounts he was, that's the kind of guy you want in your team. And he he probably – I mean, we're going to look back on this. He's a top ten rusher in school history, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. But he, he's always like the afterthought. It's like, well, Rodriguez should be the guy this year. <laughs> I don't know why they keep giving A.J. Rose. I mean, it's like every year it's kind of the story with him. And so for him to close his career out the way that he did – I just – I honestly couldn't be any happier. It's, it's obviously been well, well documented about, you know, he's an Eagle Scout and, and those kinds of things. But he – I got to know his, his mom and dad a little bit. They're fantastic people. He is an awesome human being, awesome person. So I just felt great for him. And then at the same time, it, it was probably some validation too. Um, you know, I mean uh, – he had what twelve carries, fourteen yeah. carries maybe, uh, twelve, yeah, and you know one hundred forty eight yards. Whereas at the same time, and now I'm not trying, I'm not comparing, I'm not trying to say he's any better, but at the same time, Rodriguez had seventeen carries for eighty four yards, so he outgained him, um, you know, kind of head to head in his last game. So I thought I, I feel great for that guy, and it came at a much needed time. I thought the way that they used the running backs today. Um, was really fun to see and probably what the plan was all along, but you had injuries and you had circumstances that changed things. So, no, I was I, I couldn't be any happier for that guy. Defensively, Jamin Davis just had a huge day. 13 Oof. tackles, half a sack. The game, basically the interception that set up the decisive score with uh, Chris Rodriguez rushing in on the very next play to, to give Kentucky a 23-14 to 14 lead. That's a guy, Kalen, who seems like he's waiting to hear back from the NFL for some feedback. He's a guy that I, I think is probably on the fence based on what I've heard, probably what you've heard as well. Um, in a theoretical world where that was his last game, if it was his last game, I don't know if it is or not, I think he's a, a very, very, very important offseason decision coming up. But the way he played, whenever you look at that defense next year, how, how critical do you think it is that he is – kind of the central part in the middle of that defense next season? I think it's really big because, one, you have – in his position, you have very, very little um, experience in that position coming back outside of him. And if he's not – I mean, he, he kind of became the leader of the defense, the non-vocal leader of the defense. Um, you know, he, he's not the flashy guy, but – you just look at it, he's making play after play, and his improvements. The crazy thing is, you look at he, he's a sideline to sideline player, too. I mean, he's not a, um, just a big old, old school middle linebacker that's a run stuffer. Three inter- what do you have, three interceptions this season? Yeah. Yeah, Mississippi yeah. State, Tennessee, and then today. Yeah, three interceptions this season. He was a sideline to sideline player. Um, showed a lot of uh, awareness, showed a lot of sp- a lot more speed than we all realized he had. And he was a guy that had sat for a couple years behind some experienced guys there, started to flash at the end of the season last season, and he thought, okay, he could be somebody uh, next year. And he took it to a whole nother level. And 
to your point, I'm I'm pretty nervous that he's not coming back. I mean, that's a a good thing for the program if he's going to be drafted high enough. But at the same time, you know, you had him penciled in next year as an All SDC returner, and now that may not be the case. Um, you know, I, I just I don't know. That that's that's tough, man. That could be really really tough losing him. Yeah, he's uh. You're talking about him coming off the end of last year, not being a starter. I mean, had Chris Oates not had his medical condition this year, he's probably not even a starter this season. He, so I, mean, I, I think yeah. that kind of speaks to the depth they had started to build, though, at inside linebacker. Um, talking about the NFL, I guess this is a bridge to to some guys who have already officially in that senior class announced that they're going to come back for another year. We started getting those rolling out right after the right after the game. Uh, Stoops had mentioned after South Carolina that Devontae Robinson would be back, and he confirmed that today. Uh, after the game, but also Josh Ali, uh, Zach Johnson, Justin Rigg. Um, I might be forgetting somebody else, but so or yeah, so far those are all the guys. I've heard there could be a few more. I don't I don't want to say those yet, just because um, I've only it's only one source kind of deal. But could be some more guys from that senior class coming back. But let's, let's specifically key on Josh Ali because Liam Cohen's coming in. You're talking about a, a much maligned wide receiver group this year, uh, just a total offense, really, but a wide receiver group that, that got a lot of criticism this year. But no doubt he was their top target for, for Terry Wilson this year. He led the team with 49 catches. To get him back, whenever you think about a comfort level, not only for a new quarterback next year, but also a new offensive coordinator, how important is that to have a guy like Josh Ali back? I think it's absolutely massive. I mean, out of, you know, let's see here, offensive side of the ball – for sure, um, possibly, I mean, Jamin's big, possibly defensive side of the ball too. Darian Kennard would be huge for this offense because of the inexperience at offensive tackle, but I can't think of anybody else, maybe on the entire roster, that would have a bigger impact um, or be a bigger need than Josh Ali coming back. If you think about it too, all offseason – at this point, we've heard, you know, uh, transfer portal. What's the one position we keep hearing they're going to hit in the transfer pro- yeah. for pro- transfer portal? And that's wide receiver. You know, while they're going to have at least one or two guys in the transfer portal uh, that they're going to have to pick up. So getting Ali back is, is huge at a position that, frankly, is the weakest position on the field. So, um I think I don't think you can understand understate the importance there. And then knowing kind of the system, we don't know exactly the system that, that Liam Cohen's going to run, but having a, a solid idea of the basic principles, I think it's absolutely massive. I mean, just knowing the strengths that Ali has and knowing the strengths um, of the wide receivers or the tendencies of the wide receivers in that that system, it's it's a perfect fit. And I thought it was interesting that he actually named Coach Cohen in his um, statement, you know, saying he was coming back. So I, I thought that was really interesting too, like basically saying, you know, this this is a big reason I'm coming back. Yeah, I'll admit to trying to get Josh to slip up a little bit the other day because he got asked first question of his press conference on Tuesday, I think, if he had decided yet if he was going to come back. And he said he would announce it after the bowl game. But the next question, I, I guess I didn't really process that he had just answered that he wasn't sure if he was coming back. And I asked, with Liam Cohen coming in, just how excited are you for that? And he gave an answer like he was going to be back. And it, it had been speculated for a while. So I thought, I know you, I mean, I know you, 
have thought that as well, that he would be back this year. And I, I think it's just a huge boost. I, I, I still view Josh, and I don't, he might have to be wide receiver one again next year. I felt like in 2019, when you had Lynn Bowden, you had Ahmad Wagner, and you had a couple of tight ends that are still there now who could make plays. I, I thought Josh was in the perfect spot as a number two, number three top wide receiver, and he could have done a lot of damage that season. Had it worked out differently, of course it didn't. Um, but still really good for him. He was a kid who didn't have a redshirt year, so he, he more or less had to use uh, a redshirt year. But by getting to have this extra year, I think it'll be good for him. But, Kayla, let's look ahead now to some storylines next season. Um, it's going to be a different offseason this year for, for a variety of reasons. You'll have, I think later this month, the one-time transfer rule uh, will be passed. You'll have – NFL decisions still to be made. We talked about Jamin. We talked about Kennard. Uh, maybe there's a, a surprise somewhere else. So, I mean, it's really hard, I think, at this point to know what Kentucky's roster will, will look like. But in terms of storylines, there's going to be a quarterback battle once Terry Wilson leaves. You'll have Bo Allen. Bo Allen and Joey Gatewood viewed as the front runners, certainly, for that job. You'll have most likely replacing three offensive linemen. Uh, and then you'll have some guys in the secondary. We already started to get a little bit of a look to that today. Uh, with, with Cedric Dort out, which Dort can come back if he wants to, but Kelvin Joseph's gone, MJ Devonshire transferred out. So maybe some youth back there. But when you think about these storylines for next year, and more so for spring practice, what, what kind of intrigues you the most out of all those? Yeah, or there's a lot. I didn't say. It could be, could be some other storyline. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, yeah, that's a great – the quarterback is obviously the one everybody's going to talk about and – you know, I mean, it's probably the biggest one, if we're being honest here. That So that's a big storyline with the new offense is, you know, can they figure out a way? Does the light come on for Joey Gatewood? Are they able to kind of, something, something, you know, in, ignite some kind of change uh, in him? Or is Bo the guy? That's a big story. So then we talked about Josh Ali a second ago. You've got that receiver room. Who knows, are we going to have transfers come in? If transfers come in, then that's going to be huge to see how, you know, they get acclimated to the team. If they don't, who steps up outside of Josh Ali? Does um, Do we get a step forward from Michael Drennan, Isaiah Cummings? Yeah. Um, you know, there's Brand, Khalil Brandt. I mean, there's a bunch of those guys. So do they take a step forward? Um, that That's a big storyline. Then you've got the, the tackles. You know, let's say – Let's just say, for argument's sake, that Kennard goes. So you've got to replace both your, your bookend offensive tackles, which by all accounts were top two or three in the SEC as a group. So how do you replace those guys? Is it Jeremy Flax? Is it um, Nasir Watkins? Is he is he back and, and healthy enough? Um, is it – you know, it could be a, a host of guys. Is it somebody they, they get in the transfer portal? So on the offensive side of the ball, the group that you feel the two groups you feel great about are running back, which we've got a host of those guys that we feel really good about and guys that didn't even play much this year. And then the tight end room, you got Justin Rigg coming back along with Keaton Upshaw, Brendan Bates, uh Asinovich if he comes back, and then um you added uh Jordan Dingle to the mix, four-star tight end, you know. So on the offensive side of the ball, there's a lot of intrigue. And I think having – first of all, I think having a full spring, a real spring, a real offseason where these guys could get the work in they need is vital now 
uh, absolutely crucial. Um, so on the offense, so especially on the offensive side of the ball, and then defensively, corner at the corner position, you got to look. You you would think, like you said, Cedric Dort steps into that starting role. Carrington Valentine is a guy that that Coach Stoops is huge on his potential. I think it may have been a blessing in disguise to get him as much run as he did today. I mean, he he flashes a lot, and he's a guy that – and Stoops even said it in his postgame today. You know, he, can, he he's really good at press. He's He needed to play some, some zone and realize, you know, that he needs to narrow that gap some. I think that was big for him to get the experience of doing that instead of and, – and looking at it on film now instead of just – uh, them talking to him about it. So I think that's intriguing. Um, and then oh, a pass rush. We we love the defensive line that we brought in last year. Uh, we got some guys coming back to go along with those guys. But where does that pass rush come from? Uh, you know, we lose Boogie Watson, who was huge uh, the last few years, but still never really – was able to take that next step. Uh, that's kind of the missing piece in, in the defense. So, does that happen? So, I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of intrigue, a lot to lot to be excited about. Um, not just hey, it's spring football, it's football. We're excited because it's football or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's some actually some some real storylines to watch. One more thing for you, and I ran this by my brother who who watched the game with me today, and. Mark Stoops said today that basically they're going to lose 2020 uh, in 2020 and move on. And I probably will do that too after another episode or two. I think the offense was so broken at a point that you can almost like, it's hard to like even, it got so bad that it was almost hard to even argue. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically the question is, should there be anything taken away on an offense that was because you're talking about some of those new wide receivers for next year, and they obviously they signed four new kids who I think all actually have a pretty good chance to play right away next year. What do you make of the guys like Drennan, Cummings, guys like that who we heard a lot about but never really saw much? Do you take anything away from – like, does that mean anything to you? I know they're true freshmen, but when a team – like, it just didn't feel like they tried very much this year. Not, not those two kids. I mean the coaching staff in terms of right. getting new personnel in there. Yeah, honestly, uh, and that's something I've thought. It's funny you ask that because I don't know if I've ever had this conversation with anybody, but it's something that I've thought a lot about. And I'm sitting there, and, and this kind of came to me. I was at the Vanderbilt game, um, and it was toward the end when Bo Allen got his series. And you saw all the receivers come in, right, uh, yeah. the whole new receiving core. You had Cummings and Drennan and, and those guys. and then. I also heard that some of the some of the veterans were saying, "Hey, let us let us can we go back in? Let us go in with Bo. Let us." Run. And they're like, "Nope, nope." So I think that was a uh, a conscious kind of concerted effort by the coaching staff that we are building for the future, but we are not going to put these guys into the fire just to put them into the fire. We're gonna. It's almost like they took them to the side and were like, okay, you guys are the future. You know, we're going to handle this with kid gloves kind of thing. Because you saw Cummings and Drennan get a lot of run uh, toward the, you know, middle of the year, up toward the end. And you got, you see, you saw them get none today. So I think 
Mark Stoops and that staff truly were saying, okay, we're going to leave 2020 and 2020, and we're going to start brand new uh, after this bowl game. So I I actually believe that. So to answer the question, I would say no. There's not much I would take away from from that other than I think the coaching staff is really, really excited about a lot of this young talent at the skill positions and and particularly at receiver. Um, And I think – you know they they tried to they tried to manage them as best they could, knowing what they had to do to try to win games. And I think the one last point I'll make too is it could have been Eddie Grant out there calling the place today, and we wouldn't have known any different than yeah. what we saw from Vince. And so that tells you in and of itself that the issues were what the issues were, and they were just trying to do whatever they could to win the game. I mean, at, at the end of the day, so. Those are good points, and I think a lot of that leads into thinking that, I mean, I think there's a real chance, obviously, of graduation and potential draft guys who who would, if they're gone, obviously, have to have new players, but I, I almost feel like there's a real chance by midseason next year, a lot of those kids who are playing will just be completely different than what we saw this year, and that's what I'm trying to get at in terms of saying how tough it is to kind of, like, what do you take from an offense that is already having a scheme change anyway? And, and likely, I think, a lot of personnel change. So that's why I'm so fascinated for spring practice. I hate that uh, it's – I mean, the pandemic obviously is still going to be here in, in March, April, whenever they get started. So probably unlikely that media, anyway, will get to go in there and watch that. And I'm a little bit, bit bummed out by that because that's always a good time uh, to see some new kids and see how they're dealing. But I'm always excited uh, for what's next in Kentucky football and – We'll be getting into transfer season here soon. We'll be getting into another recruiting period uh, next month, about a month from now. That'll probably start back up. But Once again, I was joined by Kalen Harris of the CatScan Podcast. Kalen, tell fans where, where they can find you, find you on social media, find any kind of work you do, things like that. Yeah, you can find me uh, on social media at Kalen Harris. Pretty simple. Uh, it's a weird name, so it makes it easy. <laughs> at K-A-L-E-N-H-A-R-R-I-S. And then uh, you can find our po- our podcast at Cat Scan Pod, and that's uh, Cat with a K. So, yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. It's always fun to to talk through this stuff, especially after a win. We needed we needed some good juju after how crazy this has been, and and how bad basketball's been, and all that stuff. So today was was very very refreshing for sure. No question about it. Thank you again for joining us. We're gonna wrap it up here, and we'll be back a little bit later with some more Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.